What's up, everyone? This is James Watkins with the Five Solas Podcast. I hope that you are all doing great as of this listening. Well, I hope that you are all always doing fantastic. But regardless, I have a fantastic episode for you guys today. The episode today is going to be a recording that my wife and I, Shelby, did with Daryl and Karen Updike of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast. Give those guys a hand. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with you. I'm with you. We love those guys over at the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast. Now, something that we did not know a few weeks back is that Daryl and Karen Updike are foster parents. They currently have a child in home that they have been placed with. And my wife and I are currently in the process of becoming foster parents. So we share a very unique bond. So what we did is we sat down, we did a recording with them. They asked us some questions. We asked them some questions regarding foster care and adoption. I think that is a very good episode. Very casual episode, just kind of going back and forth with one another. We had a fantastic time recording with them. So without further ado, this is going to be a little bit of a different episode than what you guys are normally used to from me, which is okay. We need to change it up every now and then. And I pray that you guys are edified in some way, that you get some information from it, that it helps possibly to encourage others to foster children that are in the foster care system. So without further ado, I could talk your ear off all day, all night, whatever time you're listening to it. I'm not going to do that. But but I am going to go ahead and we're just going to play the episode that we recorded. Hope that you guys enjoy it. Again, this is James with the Five Souls Podcast with my wife Shelby recording with Daryl and Karen Updike of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast. I hope that you guys enjoy. My name is Daryl and I'm here with my wife Karen. Yep. Yep, she's here. She's here once again. I never know what to say. Never know what to say, but we're also here with other guests, another couple. Yes. And you might know this guy from the Five Soulless podcast. His name is James Watkins. Hey, and he's everyone. here with his wife, Shelby Watkins. Hello. Nice. I found out that Shelby and I have the same middle name. Really? That's crazy. That's more, unless you have the two first name thing and you just don't use it all the time. I don't uh, only when I get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you know, it's typical whenever, uh, especially in the South, whenever somebody does something wrong, you don't call them just by their first name. You call them by first and middle. Yep. And yeah, then you're exactly. really, really, really in trouble if they use the full name. Yeah, first, middle, and last. And, uh, and wow. if they throw a nickname in there, then it's big time trouble. <laughs> well, my middle name is his first name. James, oh, so so we're all connected here. Did we just become BFFs? I think we did. <laughs> and, or in, in stepbrother, did we just become best friends? Yep. <laughs> the high five. Excellent. Excellent. So we've been listening to your podcast, you know, since it's been out, the Five Solos podcast. And this last episode that you did, hopefully uh, by this time, our audience has had an opportunity to listen to it. We, you guys kind of shared your story. You know, when James, when you and I recorded, we found out that uh, you're in the process of becoming foster parents, and we are currently foster parents. So another coincidence, yeah, right? <laughs> definitely providence. Yeah, something we have in common. But if our listening audience hasn't heard your story yet, and you know, just I want you to share a little bit about you guys, and, and uh, I guess just you know, start with the general question of how did you guys meet. Well, we met right at the time where I was about to commit suicide. So it was actually a good friend of mine. She sent me over a message and she told me to send her a text message, which I did intoxicated. And <laughs> I'm not going to say what the message said, but <laughs> definitely telling of my intoxication. 
So I sent her over the text message, and I went a little bit further into my depression. My it was one of my best friends in high school, and she ended up marrying what is her uncle. They're right around the same age. So they invited me to the after party for their wedding. I couldn't make it to the actual wedding because I was so hungover. I just laughed mm. and said I had to go to work. That night, they were like, why don't you come to the after party? And I was like, okay, I'll come. But I went to the after party with the intention of just seeing them that one last time before I killed myself. And wow. that happened to be the night that I met this lovely person beside me. And I went home that night and I said, everything is going to be okay. Wow. And it was. That's amazing. That's glory. <laughs> glory. I'm getting no, major no, points no, right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, that's great. And, and I listened to that episode that you did uh, when you were sharing that story about suicide and everything. So I encourage you know, our listeners definitely check out that episode. Uh, and it's just an amazing testimony of how God uses people to just intertwine, you know, and even when you talked about, um, how you met, uh, Frank Mullis, you know, yeah. through the, uh, jujitsu, right? It was the jujitsu. Yeah. Many through jujitsu. And what, what's really incredible is that I met Frank probably seven years, six years before I went through that bout with depression and wanting to take my life. And the incredible thing is, is that God had already that early set the pieces in motion for my salvation. And mm. I had no idea whatsoever. Wow. That's, that is amazing. That is amazing. Uh, so you, you met through that situation. And uh, how long after that until you were married? We got together. It was in August of 2012. August 15, 2012 is whenever we officially became a couple. And we were married that next November. So November 16th, 2013 is actually when we, we, we were engaged by Christmas. We started dating in August. By Christmas, we were engaged. So that was in 2016 you got married, you said? No, 2013. 2013. Oh, when did I get 16? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so good at listening. <laughs> okay, so you've been married for, let's do some math. Uh, Five years, it'll be six years this year. Awesome. She's the math whiz. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It can take a while. That's great. Yeah. How long have we been married? Did we just care? 15. I almost said 14. Yes. 15. 15. And it's crazy. And we're just blessed to still be married. You know, we almost got divorced at one point. That's actually how I came to the Lord. Was, and I think I was talking about this with you before when I was on your show. You know, it was the movie Fireproof mm-hmm. saved me. Kirk Cameron saved me. <laughs> <laughs> it's Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron. Point to Kirk Cameron. Yeah. yeah. Are you Shelby? Yeah, it's just and, – and that's kind of how, you know, we came up with the title for our show, What Are We Even Doing Here? Because it's just amazing when you look and see where God has, has brought us mm-hmm. from where we were, where we could have been. And where we are now, it's like, it's, wow, like what are we even doing here? It's like not even by our own strength are we here? So it's just, you know, the grace of God is just completely amazing. It's a question we all contemplate at some point in time. It's a big one. What am I doing here? Definitely. And we know where to look for the answers, right? That's That's, right. That's right. That's all we we hope to point people in that direction. On this episode, at least talk about the thing we have in common of of fostering. You're going, are you done your classes for fostering or? Uh, Yes, we have completed all our classes. We got some paperwork and just little stuff to turn in. Yeah, it's always those little things, right? They have yeah. to, the whole process. and it's, the, the classes, I think, were 
was the easy part, you know, it's going going there for what was it, two two full weekends, Friday, Saturday, Sunday mm-hmm. that we had to go. Well, we're not going through defects. We're going through an actual private agency uh, out of Dublin, Georgia. Yeah, it's the Christian organization that I told you about. The mm-hmm. like the cost and all associated with it. Like if we wanted to adopt, you know, typically you're looking like forty thousand dollars. With them, it can be as like two thousand. Because it is technically the kids are placed in defects in the state of Georgia, and they pull from all over the state, and they they come into this. It's just a private agency, and what's crazy is. Frank being involved again, yeah. <laughs> his brother and sister-in-law actually have a little boy through the agency, and they're yeah. the ones who introduced us to this agency. Yeah, and the trainer for the class is a uh, pastor. So we went through the class, and, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, with, with a trying to be a discerning ear, you know, trying to find the little things. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. There were, there were some things in the class that were said. I, was just, I have a bad habit. Like, whenever I hear something, I know it's wrong. I go, <sighs> <laughs> and I did it during the class a few times. Dude, I, I think we're like separated, like as, like we're related somehow because I do the same thing. Man. Like, like, like every everything I listen to, I'm like, wait, okay, uh, maybe. I, 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 I would take the deep breath. I'd be sitting there, and I would, and I would see Shelby's head just slowly turn and look at me. Because when he did this. It wasn't like the room was loud or somebody no. was talking. It was like he did it as soon as they stopped talking and it was silent and all you heard was James' deep breath and let out. And I'm just looking at him. Well, there were only four of us in the class. But they, they did make us sign a, uh, we did have to sign a statement of faith that held to essentials like deity of Christ, trinity, uh, salvation by grace alone through faith alone. Mm-hmm. So sufficiency and efficiency of scripture. So I wouldn't assign that if, if it was something that was off. Right. right. Yeah. Well, that's good. But uh, right now, I think we're going to take a little break. Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report is a podcast providing biblical interpretations and applications. It is a ministry of striving for eternity and part of the Christian podcast community. We provide a biblical view of cultural events, discuss how to apply God's word to the Christian life, address issues that concern the church, and we even take some time to offer a correct understanding of those commonly misinterpreted passages of scripture. You will hear from great guests like Justin Peters, Todd Friel, Jay Warren Wallace, and Gabe Hughes. Andrew has the Rap Report Daily, which is a two-minute Monday through Friday podcast, and then the longer Rap Report podcast for more content. Subscribe to both today by searching for Rap Report on any podcast app, spelled R-A-P-P, Report, or click the podcast link at strivingforeternity.org. And we're back. On the... And we're back with, we're back. with the Watkins dog. With the Watkins dog. Yes, the Watkins dog. Right in the middle of us, as always. As always, so we're uh, we're talking about uh, fostering, and uh, it's a little different in, in New Jersey because we're not going through a Christian organization. And now I'm wondering if there is. Any yeah, I know. Now it's like, oh man, we should have looked into it because there might be one here yeah. that that does what's going on with you guys. Uh, we went through what's the equivalent of DFACS, I guess, in Georgia, DCP here. Yeah, DCP and P. It used to be called DIFUS, but then it got, got a bad reputation, so they changed the name of it. You know, it? Yeah, but it's still child protective services. Yeah, child protective. Yeah, yeah that, that's that's what DFATS is here in yeah. Georgia. So it was interesting going through those so trainings. Training was probably way different. Yeah, because it had what it was. It was called Pride training, but it had an element of it that was like LGBTQ, where we 
had to go through that where somebody from that uh, like area came in and talked again hard hard to stay quiet but i did in those situations but it would have been a lot of yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of hmm. and we didn't take this together we had to take our classes separate just because of our schedules so i can imagine if we took it together there'd be a lot of heads yeah but if, if we had to go through the uh, state system it would have been it would have been a like, much longer class and they were thinking it was like 12 weeks of of, of, I think they did it at night. Yeah, but this one right here is just two weekends. We were through it, and I mean, we had the same. So basically, they didn't go as in depth, like with a whole lot of the terminology. Uh, yeah. But they they went into practical application more than probably the DFAT system does. How long did your process like take overall? So we've kind of talked about it on and off before we got married because my dad's adopted. I just randomly sent him an email probably about a month before the class. And I was like, hey, I need you to fill this out. And he filled it out, and I submitted it. And he's like, what's that for? Yeah, I, I, we had talked about it. And I, I get this text, hey, I need you to fill this. Because I'm the, I'm the grammatical whiz. So I'm the one that, that's in charge of all the grammar. And I get this message that says, hey, I need you to fill this out. And I look at it, I'm like, okay, I don't know what the uh, – And, I, you know, I start getting, like, some of the questions. I'm like, this is a little suspicious. <laughs> But he sends it back to me, and I just submit it, and then it's kind of like it, it just quick. moves fast. Because we were thinking, you know, hey, we're going to get in this, do a class in about five months, and, you know, maybe at the end of the year. And it, sh- it just was like, bam, 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 bam. Yeah, we wow. got in the class almost immediately after submitting. About a month. About a month after submitting it. That was when the next class was. I guess the benefit was is that it's a, it's such a small agency that they don't have as many people applying for it as someone like DFATS does. Yeah. So we were able to get in really quick, get through the training, and pretty much apart from like the home study, them coming in telling us that we need to you know put the baby lots on the doors, we have to get like tuberculosis tests, we have to get physicals done, all that all good right. stuff. So once once that's completed, we would be ready for a placement. Ours took nine or ten months, I want to say. Wow. Yeah, like the, the kind of the from, from what, like the intro meeting to yeah, you go to like a big intro meeting of everybody that's interested, and from there you fill out paperwork, and then they contact you, and then they send somebody to your home to kind of evaluate your home, and then you start going to classes. And uh, like Karen said, we had to go separate because I couldn't go on the. She would go on Saturdays, and I worked on some Saturdays, so I would. She did four Saturdays. I did, like, double sessions, so. Yeah, so her sessions were longer. I had, like, eight-hour sessions. Yeah, and then mine were on Tuesday and Thursday nights for, like, nine sessions. And then once you finish that, then they send another worker out to your house for, like, three interviews, and they ask you all these personal questions that, like. She was coming throughout, like, during. Oh, yes, that's right. She was coming throughout, yeah. She was coming throughout the whole process to study us. Yeah, and she's not, call her a caseworker. She's a a resource resource worker. worker. So she pro- she knows a lot more about us than some of our friends. <laughs> yeah, there. we had to. Um, I had to fill out again grammatical whiz, but I had to. Fill, I was getting so frustrated because I was having to fill out basically this entire life biography for both of us online. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, I feel like I'm I'm studying for for a test or something. Like, I, am I am I trying to get into Harvard or are we trying to adopt here? And I, I remember it was like one o'clock in the morning. I was sitting there getting so frustrated. I, every time I think I was getting to the end of it, it was like, nope, two more questions. And I mean, these are detailed questions. Like they, they want to know your your inner personality. They want to know how you tick. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and, you know, I guess it's a way for them to really dig in and see how you're going to respond in certain situations. But from what I understand, this is going to be stuff that they drill us with whenever they come and do the, the study in home as well. I'm kind of glad they dig that deep, though, because, you know, yes. you know, they want to make sure that you're the right people for the job. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Especially since, you know, they're taking a kid out of a situation where they've been abused. They don't want to stick them into another situation where they're going to get any chance of being abused. And then it's on them, you know, for us, it would be on the state. There's yeah. been su- a his- such a history of bad foster parents. Now they're trying as much as they can to weed that out and not let that happen. I'm sure some slip through the cracks. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, some of the questions they asked, I answered honestly. And I think that kind of threw our uh, resource worker off because she probably has people lie to her about certain things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they told us to be insanely honest. Uh, but, you know, there were two things, I think, that we both took from it, especially during the class, is that, number one, they made it clear that our number one priority wasn't to keep these children from their families. It was to help rehabilitate and to help get them back with their families. And then number two is that the state that – these parents, if, if a child is taken out of their home for physical abuse, say, that the state has a low standard as far as what needs to be completed in order to get that child back in. And they said the hard thing was going to be is us with the Christian values and, and seeing everything from way up, way up high is that, you know, we're going to see people doing the bare minimum to get these kids back in. And right. our point of view is going to be so much higher. It's like, no, they don't need to go back in that. But that's not our call to make. It's the court. Yeah, and that's and it, it varies too from what I've heard from judge to judge. Yeah. You know, some yeah. judges will be like, "All right, this parent has checked all the boxes; they, they went to all the whatever they needed to do, so I can't hold them back from going back home. They should be with their blood relatives." But then you get another judge that might not be like that. You know, so it always depends on on the judge. And uh, yeah, and if you keep us in prayer, we, there's a, uh, a court date coming up for a per- what is it? A permanency hearing? It's the first permanency hearing. Yeah. And, you know, we, we want what's best for baby. Yeah. You know, and, it, and that's some, some, a reason why some people don't get into fostering is because they don't want to get attached and then that child be taken out and sent back to, to a home. So we hear that often. Oh, I can never foster because I get so attached. My heart would be broken. Yeah. It's like, and I told yeah. you that was one of my concerns. Uh, you know, whenever you and I recorded uh, on Perseverance of the Saints, we had a, about a good 30 minute conversation in the middle of that during the break. And I told you that one of the concerns that we had is that we were going to get a child in home. They were going to be with us for three or four months, and we were going to get attached to the child, and they were going to get pulled out. And you made a very good point. It was like if you don't get attached to the child, you probably don't need to be doing it in the first place. Right. And even our own children aren't ours anyway, right? So, like, like our daughter technically, you know, isn't ours because she belongs to God. Yeah. So we, as parents, no matter – what what child you're parenting it's hard to remember that 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 child you're just a store at that moment so god can do whatever they want and that's that's even hard for me to say because i know the realization of that and what could happen yeah like but that's that's god's child before it's mine you know we're, we're just stewards right now so aside from the fear of maybe getting attached what other kind of fears do you would you say you have going into fostering if you have any at all 
Well, that was my main one was everybody was telling me, oh, you're going to get attached, you're going to get attached. And I think after, like, counsel from Frank's sister-in-law and my grandmother, it was more of the fact that I had to remember myself that if it was two hours or 18 years, that my job is to do what's best for the child. Give it a stable home, a schedule, show it the love of God, show it that somebody loves them. And I think that's what really, when we sat down and discussed it after I randomly submitted the application. <laughs> um, but my, think, mine was a little bit different, though, because I'm, I'm so analytical with any anything that I come in contact with is I'm sitting there and I'm thinking that what if I get a child in here that is going through something so traumatic I cannot help the child that I just don't have that capability to help that child and at that point do I am I a failure if I do that do I need to continue doing it and you know I had to come to grips pretty quick that you know there's going to be and, and you know we every day we face situations that we go through that we have never gone through before and it doesn't stop the sun from going down it doesn't you know it the, the day still goes um but that was mine was and and I still have that fear you know Frank does uh he's a sex offender counselor and mm-hmm. so I kind of hear some of the the horror stories from that aspect and right now I still do not think that I am prepared mentally or um, from a trained aspect to be able to handle a situation like that. So that that's one thing is I, I want to be able to help the child that comes in, but I know first and foremost that whatever child comes into this home, I have the capability, I have the responsibility to present Christ to them and bring about a healing that I can't provide. Well, and I think that's something that we got a lot of peace out, uh, peace about taking this class and talking with them and discussing thing, discussing just every situation. In Georgia, there are 15,000 children in the foster care system. When you break it down to percentage-wise, you're looking at probably a little over 50% is due to drugs, due yeah. to, you know, the, the opioid addiction. Meth is a big yeah. deal here where yeah. we're at in central Georgia. A lot of meth manufacturing. So, I mean, you have kids that are getting pulled out of meth houses. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so, number one is you're going to have children who have been exposed to these chemicals that are going to need treatment just based upon that alone. Uh, but yeah. that, that in Georgia, the number one reason that kids enter into the foster system. And I thought that whenever, because I asked the question, I, asked, I was like, what's the number one cause for these children coming into the foster system? And I was expecting them to say physical abuse. That sure. That's what my expectation was. No, drugs. Drug use. Drugs and just pure neglect. Yeah. It's the two main common reasons in the state of Georgia. Small percentage of, like if you look at it on a pie chart, of it actually being sexual abuse. Yeah. Um, and something that we, we've discussed going through the classes and talking with each other after, you know, like on the ride home, because it was an hour away, was, you know, it, it makes us feel better. And the, and also, um, not sure how y'all's family services does it, but when our, one of our, what would you call, one of our leaders or one of our counselors. Yes, one, of, the, one of our support team. Of Families for Families gets a call. Um, Department of Family Services is required to give them a, B, C, D, you know, they're required to list and are required to tell them everything. With yeah. If you were going just through defects, they can say, you know, they can kind of leave some of that off. But because it's a private agency 
and our support system, when they call the families, they let them know, you know, hey, this is A, B, C. They let them know everything they were told. There's no surprises, pretty much. There's no surprises going into the home. And then the children are ranked into tiers. So you have, like, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier (laughs) one is the tier that we would end up getting. This is the children that are... Our first placement would be, like, a tier one. Those are going to be the ones that haven't experienced that higher level of trauma. Whereas, like, tier three is going to be someone who has experienced, like, intense sexual abuse. And that's going to go into... And that child will go into a home where that family has been properly trained to handle it. So it's not... So after going through that, I think we both felt a lot better knowing that... That we were kind of, we had that support system behind us that if we didn't feel comfortable, that they wasn't just going to be like, oh, hey, here you go. Got to take the child. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think here, they don't have a system like that. Uh, I think that's awesome that they would, you know, new people get tier one. Um, But I think like our, yeah, yeah, they're they're supposed to tell us everything if they do. Like they on the do. phone when they're yeah, yeah. they'll give you they give you as much information as they have at that time. Right, right, and that's what they do with us. Because I mean, obviously, you know, they they even made it a point that you could be sitting on the couch having a conversation with this child, and then all of a sudden, this child can sit there and say something to you a, mm-hmm. about something that would be that would be indicative of them being sexually abused, for instance, and that's right. not something that they were aware of. So, and I guess those possibilities are always out there. Yeah, and our resource worker, I think, when when we got the call about baby, it was like a month after we were certified. So we got certified in October, and then like the beginning of November, we got the call. And it, Karen got the call, so she can probably tell about it a little more than me. So Well, actually, I was surprised that we got a newborn because the majority of them, they said, are older, but... But like you were saying, with um, we have like a big heroin problem here. With that, they're saying there's more babies than usual. Yeah, they called like on a Tuesday at lunchtime. It was like noon, and and she just said we have a baby. Whatever they knew, because he was a newborn, they didn't know much, you know. So he was only in the NICU for a week because of blood sugar, but that was it. So they didn't know any medical information on the parents. They had there was no prenatal care. So they didn't really know if he was going to come up with some problems. But anyway, it was basically yes or no. (laughs) Do you accept? So I was like, yeah. (laughs) So a funny fact uh, is before we were going this uh, route into like the foster adoption thing, uh, Shelby asked me, she was like, well, how do you think this works? And I was like, I mean, they just give you a book and you just pretty much look at it and say, I want that one, right? (laughs) (laughs) And apparently that's not how it works at all. He really thought it was like, hey, these are the kids, you know. Pick one. Here, pick one. Well, it's kind of like that with the ones that are legally free. Well, going through the class, we're sitting there and they pull out a book. (laughs) And we're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and and, I, and y'all can see my face, but whenever they did that, I went. <laughs> I told you, the book does it. Just it's like the president's book of secrets. Yeah, yeah. There's the book. I see it. That's great. They probably have something similar to to this in in Georgia, but they have events where you can go and like it's like bowling night or something, and you can go and meet kids that are available. To, to be adopted which we were intending to go to but then once we had baby here we were like 
all right, do we really want to do that right now? And, yeah. you know, but I'm yeah, sure. I was just about to sign up for one and then he showed up. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the end of that story is that day, it was a Tuesday. He was in our house within like three or four hours. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. Him over. they told us that we would have maybe, if we got a phone call, that we would have maybe 15, 20 minutes to make a, uh, make a decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because DFACS isn't only working with that agency. So, I mean, DFACS is working within the DFACS system, other agencies. So you have people that are just making phone calls left and right. And, of course, our, our worker is trying to match us up with, with a child that he believes is going to be the right fit for our family. Right. So, you know, we don't we don't have time. Well, let me sleep on it, and I'll get back with you tomorrow. We don't have time to do that. It's pretty right. much uh, get a phone call. It was like, okay, well, let me call let me call Shelby tell her what I got, and then we pretty much have to make the call based off of that. Yeah, I yeah. told him I told him we were talking about whose name should be down for anything, and I was like, you might as well just put James's name down, because I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> next, next thing you know, we'll, we'll have 33 foster kids. and <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Do you have uh, any questions for us? Yeah, what, what has been what, – what's been the most difficult – part of the fostering process for you after you're I mean after getting the child in the home what has been the most difficult reality of it for me it was just adjusting to having a baby again you know our daughter is nine so it's been a long time (laughs) since I've changed diapers or make a bottle and I'm still bad at it but I think I'm better than I was (laughs) when my daughter was born yeah I mean Am I better at it now, kind of? All right. <laughs> I think we're both better because when we had that first baby, we weren't in a good place, I don't think. Yeah. So and we didn't have nearly as much patience or mm-hmm. we weren't Christians. Yeah. yeah we weren't. <laughs> I think that's a big part of that it. That does help. We didn't have done, so we were, we were living selfishly. And our daughter was, oh, she was colicky, so uh, mm-hmm. we didn't sleep for like the first six months at least. Well, I didn't sleep. Yeah. He might have got sleep. Probably. probably <laughs> so. Yeah, but when we got him, uh, you know, at least for the first month, it was he, he was kind of had some acid reflux, so he'd be up all night, not really sleeping through the night. But like now he now he does and you know Yeah, he's actually a pretty easy baby overall. Like he's way easier than our daughter was. So I feel like honestly, we've had it pretty easy because <laughs> he actually he has no health issues. And everyone who's bit so you get monthly visitors too. You have yeah. his caseworker, his lawyer, our resource worker, the nurse, like so many people come every month and visit and, and write reports and stuff and they have all been so nice. Like I've also heard stories about people not liking their workers and blah blah blah. But honestly like, I don't know. We've we pretty much had the best case scenario for our first one. So I mean who knows what could happen down the line. Right. So we're probably not very helpful in that aspect. Yeah. But. yeah. <laughs> I mean are are you are you guys like planning uh do you have intention of adopting one day or are you just looking to be like a long-term foster foster parent? Yeah. We're just like you guys, the foster to adopt. So, so yeah, we're hoping, you know, again, it's in God's hands, but we would like to adopt him. You know, we want him to be part of our family. And at the same time, we wouldn't want to, you know, if, if, you know, he does have family that cares about him that might not be able to take him in, but, we've told them that we don't want to take this child from you. Like if we adopt, we will definitely keep him in contact. We want him to know his heritage, you know, 
we want him to to know his family so that our intention would never be to like adopt him and run away like that's not yeah any any yeah. child we would have to keep his family uh, yeah. in his life right because yeah. that that's important and like you said you know the goal even even of uh you know the state is to reunify reunification is the ultimate goal if if the parent can get their act together get clean and and take the child back yes that's the ultimate goal which i think is a great thing it's not to separate that family connection and at the same time that's what we wouldn't want to do if we adopt we just want to have that contact so he can know his family and know his culture and you know we'll we'll learn spanish because (laughs) you know he has a dominican background so I'm I'm willing to I, I can't, I've been saying that for years. I'm going to learn Spanish. Well, here's you know, your chance. I Spanish in high school, and I you know, and they're like, hola, <laughs> hola, yeah. see. Sí. <laughs> That's all I know. No. <laughs> That's pretty simple. But, yeah. So we find out. And so June will be that first hearing where they they decide whether to flip our case to adoption being the goal. Think fast though. <laughs> And then after that, say we do adopt, and our house is still open for future foster children right. as well. So, like, it's not like we adopt him and then, no, that's it, we got one. Like, no, it will we'll still be open to bringing in more children, and you know, whatever happens from there, happens. You know, I think one of the hardest things for us, uh, whenever we were going through the classes, was so one of the things that they were saying in the class is that there are fifteen thousand kids in the foster system. Obviously, there's not that many people stepping up to adopt these children or to bring them into their homes. And within our location, the central Georgia location in and of itself, there are enough Baptist churches in the area that if one family in each of these churches were to step up and become foster parents, that it would completely eliminate that system that they needed. And that is very unfortunate. And I can only imagine what it is in larger states like you guys live in. Yeah, and it's 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 frustrating because there's there's homes, and I don't want to, you know, be judgmental, and that sadly happens sometimes, right? Like, why can't this person take a you know, a foster child? Yeah, sure, sure. But but it is, it, yeah, it, it is sad that you know families that would be good at it, but they're just afraid to step up, or or people who have been like trying to have children. And then they're like, all right, well, you know, God hasn't intended me to have children. You know, it's, it's just like, well, just do it. Like, don't. Yeah. it is a scary thing. Like, we've talked about our fears and and we're still afraid of it. And, and even the whole process of, of being licensed, I was still fearful. But yet, yeah, you still have to just just go for it. Step out in faith and and trust and keep praying. It, it makes you rely on God more. So the scripture that comes to mind I'm going to share a Bible verse because it's a Christian podcast. No more. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, in, in James 1, verse 27, you know, religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. So to take care of widows and orphans. Orphan child would be a foster child or one that's been abandoned. Right. You know? And that's, you know, part of why I got into this is because I go out to the abortion mill and I try to stop these women, you know, preach the gospel and and have them not kill their babies you know all these babies that are being murdered and so i started doing that and i'm like well i still have to get involved some other way and you don't necessarily have to get involved in foster or adopting but i felt called to do that as well so if i'm going to preach this i want to also have an opportunity for these women to i can say to them i'll adopt your baby right now 
you know, let's let's go to the state. Let's let's work this through. Like, take care of those widows and orphans. And so, I, I want to encourage other Christians out there. If your house is available, you know, just get into it. Just do it. Just start yeah. fostering. And you don't have to do it to adopt. Just just provide a home. Yeah, like you guys were saying, if they're only with you for a day or two, you yeah. might be the only family that showed them that love. Yeah, yeah. you know. And you, you know, one of the, one of the and you talk about going to the abortion mills. One of the very early on whenever we were making it known that hey we're going through these classes we're looking to get certified we're looking to become foster parents i don't know if you guys experienced it but we had people that were trying to discourage us in a way from going through the system and i had a i i still have a very big issue with this because you to me you can't sit there and say that that you are a proponent that you're pro-life uh but at the same time, you're not looking to step up and go and go these routes for these children. Uh, basically, we were like, you don't want these kids in your home. They're they're troubled. They're damaged. They're gonna mess. They're gonna mess your life up. Blah blah blah. And so, and, and my reaction to that is, so what you're basically saying is that the best thing that we can do is abort them in the womb. If we're not right. if we're not going to take that extra step, then the unbelievers, the proponents for abortion they have a valid argument well are you going to step up and adopt or foster these kids if our answer is no what are we even doing here right <laughs> sure. what are we even doing here and and you know what I, i'm messed up i'm i'm you know i have issues you know like like we didn't think <laughs> like going into this i kept thinking we're not we're not worthy of this task you know what i mean like we're not prepared we're not you know but at the end of the day it's like you guys said here in your last podcast if we let all those fears stop us from doing this and it comes from selfishness because yeah you don't want these kids to mess up your life just like a pregnant woman wants to get rid of her baby because that baby's gonna mess up her life you know yeah absolutely mess up her schedule it's gonna mess up her hopes and dreams you know it's gonna be a, a wrench in the works but you have to just stop being selfish and take care of these orphans you know mm-hmm. well and we didn't think we were oh sorry no. well and one thing you know y'all said you know y'all's process was like bam you know y'all learn y'all it really hasn't been a bit you know y'all haven't had a lot of issues with y'all's you know child protective services y'all hadn't had these horror stories that you hear the thing that people i don't think that it clicks with them is you're going to hear more of the bad in any situation if a restaurant serves you wrong and your service is horrible you're going to hear the bad if Uh a company you know does you wrong you're going to hear that bad review so these families who have put it out there you know well i had this horrible experience and this child you know was this child stood over me, with a, stood over me and, with a knife while I was sleeping. And they said that in the class, and I was like, that's my kind of child. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to, sure. yeah, you're going to hear that more because people's going to be more willing to. They're going to be a lot more vocal about uh, the negative yeah. aspects. They're going to be vocal about negative aspects. Our last day of class, we sat in front of a panel, a panel of people. So we had our caseworker that works with directly with defects for us. Yeah, two foster families in there, people that actually had had placements, that had experience. They sat in there, and I mean, this this was a panel. They were completely opened up for question and answer. Mm-hmm. And then we had a... Honestly, nobody knows what it stands for. It's an acronym called CASA, yeah. but it's basically another caseworker that, that uh, basically acts in between 
uh, the family meetups. Yeah, so it's where the, the families go and you have your visitation. It's the visitation supervisor. And so we were talking with them, and one of the ladies is like, you know, my children wasn't abused sexually. They wasn't abused physically. It was neglect and drugs. One of the child's teeth was rotten out. They do have behavioral issues, but we have so much support with our agency that, you know, we got them into a dentist. We got them into a doctor. We have physical therapy. We have, you know, emotional support all set up for this child. You know, and then it's uh, one of my coworkers actually fostered for a little while through our Department of Family Services. And, you know, she was like, the agent never got back with me, um, you know. Basically all the horror stories yeah, is what she got. But Her first placement was fine. But all she can, you know, focus on is that bad experience she had because yeah. there are 15,000 children in the state of Georgia and there are only X number of, age, of caseworkers that have 20, 30 children each. And then again, like, if you have your own children... If your children come up with these problems, you're not going to give up on your own children. Like, yeah, and- I think it's different because I mean, we now have the benefit of seeing both sides because we have one one biological child and one foster. And I always say this to people because they're like, "Is it different? Do you feel differently about your foster child?" <laughs> and I say, from the moment like they brought him in, I was in love with him. Like it was mm-hmm. that same instant love I had for my daughter. Yeah. Just because this this child is is in my care now, I'm entrusted with this child. It just you just love them no matter what. Yeah. So I think the one thing I've said most to a lot of people who's asked questions, who's like, "Oh, you're going to do that? Well, this is the horror story I've heard." Yeah. I explain that to them that you're going to get those negative reviews. Cause that's the thing people's going to focus on. You have to look at the positive side. That even my non-Christian friends, I'm like, you know, you're going to be a stable home. You're going to be make sure that these kids eat three times a day, or and you know, right. have snacks when they want them, and you know, have just showered with love. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's let's do this. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take a break, and then we're gonna uh, come back. But I think that as you guys continue through your process of of fostering and we continue on ours that we should continue to have follow-up episodes to kind of give updates. That's a good idea. Of, yeah. uh, you know, this way we're, we're kind of encouraging each other, but we're also going to encourage others that are thinking about fostering or maybe they'll, they'll get into it and ask us questions as well, but we're going to take a short break. Hey, I'm Daryl and I'm here with my wife, Karen. What's up? And we're the host of the, what are we even doing here? Podcast. The podcast that seeks to answer the question that we all ask, what are we even doing here? We cover topics such as marriage, family, life, and living a Christian life in this crazy world. We don't have all the answers, but we know where to look. Subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud as we seek the kingdom of God and find out what we are even doing here. Grace and peace. All right, and we're back. And we are here once again with James Watkins and his wife, Shelby, from the Five Solas podcast. And James, just tell us about your podcast. So it really got launched uh, about a year and a half ago. We launched uh, kind of a little bit of an apparel line called Grace Alone Witness Apparel. And the intention was always to branch off into a podcast 
And I wanted to do something that was going to get our name out there a little more, so I did the apparel line. And it worked. Uh, it got our name out there. But then I started thinking, um, I'm the, the gospel gets so watered down. Uh, every Everywhere we turn, the gospel is just getting watered down, watered down, watered down. So, you know, I was going to do uh, – I had a lot of different names that I was coming up with, with, with wanting to do a podcast and I didn't have a definite date on when I wanted to launch it, but I looked at her one day and I was like, I'm, I'm about to, I'm about to do it. She was okay. So I, I this wanted... was after he ordered the microphone yeah. and <laughs> other stuff. And he's like, by the way, by the way, I'm about to start a podcast. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> but, um, so I wanted to do something and people hear five solos podcast, you know, I'm, the name's grown on me a lot, but really the reason why I did that name is I started out with the five solo with the five S podcast is what I started out the name as. Uh, but I wanted to do something that was just going to make it recognizable that the second someone read the name of the podcast, they knew immediately what the podcast was going to stand for. And then the one thing that I wanted to be known for with the podcast was the transparency. Um, yeah. I'm, I have very real struggles. We've had very real struggles. We have very real struggles. And I think that that's something that's lacking within the church is our openness with those struggles. Now, I'm not saying that we should go around telling everyone every intricate detail of our lives. But the things that affect our Christian walk, if, if it can be beneficial to other believers to hear about these things and it can help them in their growth with Christ then I see no reason why we shouldn't be open about it. So I wanted to launch a Reformed Theology podcast that was going to be dedicated to Reformed Theological Distinctives. And I wanted to, because the here's the thing, is that those rallying cries, uh, by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone, those truths are still very applicable and relevant for today. Uh, and, and the reason that that's the case is because its foundation is on the scriptures, its foundation on God's word and its truth within. So I wanted to have a podcast that was dedicated to the Reformed theology, and I wanted people to be able to identify immediately whenever they seen the name what this podcast is about. And it has taken off for us uh, <laughs> a lot more than, than I thought it was going to. Um, I've gotten so much great response from people been very fortunate with people who have helped disciple me from a podcast aspect. But so then the mindset becomes, okay, well, what can we do to help carry the gospel out further? My goal has always been to have a ministry. Uh, you know, you, I look at ministries like striving for eternity ministries, Justin Peters ministries, org when that slit, those have been very influential in my growth. And here's the thing is that all of them have some similarities within the ministries, but they also have their distinctives, and they contribute in their own way. So I had at first I was like, do I really need to launch another ministry? Do I really need to launch another podcast? There's so many out there already, but then, you know, there's only one me. You know, it's, it's not arrogant for us to know that each one of us individually being created in the image of God, but also being distinct from every other individual is that we can all contribute something in the furthering of the gospel. And that is why ultimately I wanted to branch out with the podcast, and now I want to grow a ministry. And we just launched our ministry page, uh, Five Souls Ministries, and it's going to be Reformed Theology-centered, of course, uh, also dealing with that transparency. I still want to carry that transparency over, encouraging other believers to be transparent in their lives 
and their Christian walk, because their Christian walk on some days it can suck. If we're being honest, it, it can be very difficult, and I think it can be very encouraging to other believers. So I want to I want to have that reform theology centered, apologetic centered discernment centered you know i've got a lot of study that i've got to do if i want to be as big of an impact as as i as i see it but you know we've been very fortunate along the way to see other ministries and how they've grown uh, just by being faithful to god's word and trusting in the word of god to do the work of god amen and that's something too you know when we started our podcast it's like all right there's so many podcasts out there who's this really going to interest you know um, but like you said, everybody's different. God has, has made us, there's, you know, different parts of the body of Christ and what might appeal to one person might not appeal to somebody else. So each person's personality getting out there and bringing, you know, we all are coming from a biblical perspective in our, you know, podcasts. Uh, but we're like touching on something a little bit differently that could, somebody can relate to, uh, that somebody's interested in listening to somebody's interested in sharing and, you know, who knows, where it can go from here for the, for the kingdom. And, you know, even if it's just one, one show gets shared and it makes a difference, you know, even if this show gets shared and somebody now I'm going to foster, right. Yeah. And who, who yeah. was kind of on the fence about it. And now they're encouraged to go do that. You know, God has used both of you and us and, you know, social media to get that out there. You know, if one person hears the gospel because they listen to a five solos uh, episode where you're, you're talking about, you know, uh, perseverance of the saints or, you know, when you did the series on Tulip, if that, it, even if that brings somebody to a better understanding of reformed theology, you know, it's, it's all worth it for the, for the yeah. kingdom. And, you know, I was surprised Andrew gave me a call and he was like, do you know where, uh, what country you're listened to the most? And of course I was like, United States. He was like, well, yeah, uh, other than the United States. And I was like, no, he said, Australia. And I was like, I don't even know anyone in Australia. <laughs> so, I mean, so, I mean, whenever Jesus talked about us being able to do greater things than him, obviously I can't calm storms. Obviously I can't raise the dead, uh, but I can present the gospel. And he has graciously given us these formats to where we can get this message across the world so much quicker that, I mean, at that point in his humanity, Jesus is confined to one place at one point in time, whereas now he didn't have social media. I mean, it would have been easy for him if he had a camera then to repent and believe the gospel. And, you know, you know it's all, all six plus billion people are able to see it at that point. But that's not the, the in God's decree, that's not the time that he chose to have Christ enter into humanity. But we have outlets available to us. We have these podcast outlets and I got it whenever I wanted to start my podcast. Like, why are you even going to do this? And it's like, why not? I mean, if I went through some pretty traumatic stuff with dealing with my depression, almost killing myself. But then I was a recipient of so much grace. And that grace is unending now and completely unending. And I think that a part of what's going to translate over to other people from us, from the five solas, is that interaction that I had with that darkness in my life is that's going to allow me to reach a people group who, you know, maybe someone like Andrew doesn't, it doesn't quite appeal to uh, his kind of focus on hermeneutics and interpretation and evangelism. It doesn't quite sit with them at that point in in their life, but they can listen to five solas and see, Hey, this is a guy that went through it. I, I relate to him very strongly. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like Spurgeon preaching, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said he was able to save a man from suicide because he had been confined in the dungeon in which he lay. There's something to people that have gone through light circumstances, being able to bond and being able to have a connection. And that's what we want to create. And I, I think you, uh, you're very successful at, at creating that, that atmosphere on your podcast. And I always, I'm glad we have that, that commercial that we play. And I, I try to shout you guys out as much as possible because it's a, a podcast that I enjoy listening to and, and has been beneficial to me. And uh, while, while we're talking about Grace, do you want to share the uh, the gospel of Grace with our listening audience? Put you on the spot there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> then, I'm, then I'm going to end with asking you a, a fun question. Okay. All right. Yeah. So the gospel is the good news of salvation that is only found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. We go to the Garden of Eden, and in order to start, it doesn't make sense to start with the good news, which is what gospel means. There has to logically be bad news that we need to know of before we go to good news, or otherwise the good news makes no sense. And the bad news is that in the garden we were created very good. God's creation was good. It was very good. Within the garden, man's pride got in the way. The deepest part of man wanted to be God. That was the promise given by Satan that you will be like God. And ultimately, we fell. All of us fell uh, as a result of the disobedience of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. And that death is an eternity in hell. And that is why I went to a funeral today of a church member who was killed in a car crash. And, you know, I'm surrounded by people who are mourning deeply for their mother, their grandmother. And the reason why we are mourning in such a way is because death is so unnatural to God's good creation. There's a remedy for that. Not necessarily in the physical sense, but in the, in the spiritual sense. God left heaven and entered into his creation as a man at one point in time. He lived a perfect and sinless life completely in obedience. He went willingly to a cross, suffered and died on that cross, paying the debt that we the sinners owe to God. And he rose from the dead on the third day, conquering sin, death, and the power of hell forever on our behalf. And that the command in scripture is for us to place our faith in Christ alone and we will be saved. It's John 3.16, the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And that is the gospel call, to believe. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you are being saved from God's righteous wrath and judgment upon sin against you. Instead, you're clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And that's the good news, is that we are spared because Christ took exactly what we deserved on that Roman cross. Amen. 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 Can't, couldn't say it better myself. I have a 20-second version of that, too. So <laughs> I mean, this, uh, if, I, if I get a telemarketer, I literally have a 20-second spill. No, I want to start doing that. I, I usually ignore those calls, but I'm like, now nah, I'm going to start answering them and say, I did that once. Let me tell you about Jesus before you tell me your spiel. I'll listen to you. you <laughs> well, I had to no. do 20 seconds because they would hang up on me if I, if I went. Yeah, you can't say, let me tell you about Jesus. You just have to do your spiel. And generally about the 15-second mark is when they generally hang up. Yeah. Yeah. Or they start cussing at you. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, here's the fun question. Who would win in a MMA fight, Frank Mullis or Vody Bach? 
Mm. Yeah, you were right. I wasn't prepared for this one. Now here, okay, so here's the thing. I have a follow up too. I have a follow up. And and yeah, the funny thing is, is whenever Frank did his podcast initially, the first episode he ever did was with Vody Bakum at the G3 conference a couple of years ago, and I was the one that sat there and recorded it. <laughs> so uh, so uh, an MMA match with. Frank Mullis and Vody Bakum. So Frank is a very high-level Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Vody Bakum is a blue belt, I do believe. Vody is a big guy. Mm-hmm. Frank Mullis is not a small guy. I would I would think that with Frank's expertise in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and he does have a, a background in stand-up as well, that at some point Frank would get him on the ground, and I'm going to say Frank by laying on top of him and suffocating. <laughs> okay. Nice. I, and I like how you analyze that leading up to the answer. Yeah, you gave us some good information. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, there, there's, there's another pretty famous apologist out there who also does martial arts, who's known for martial arts, and some call him the ninja. I don't know if you're familiar with Jeff Durbin. I am familiar with Jeff Durbin. Okay, so who do you think would win that match with Frank Mullis and Jeff Durbin? I think <laughs> Jeff Durbin, with his ninja skills, probably F- Frank loves sushi. Uh, is his biggest weakness. I think Jeff Durbin knocks Frank out cold via sushi roll to the face. <laughs> sushi roll to the face. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize how high level uh, Jeff Durbin was. I started watching videos on on YouTube, and I, I did not realize how high level he was. But if Frank gets him to the ground, he's tapped that's out it. pretty that's quick. That's the thing; he has to get him to the ground. <laughs> and I think for, I, actually, I think Frank would be good enough to be able to close the distance on that pretty quick and mm. and get it done. <laughs> so actually, I'm going to change. You know, serious note here, and I, and you know, maybe maybe I. You know, I'm I'm a little podcast with the Five Souls podcast, but maybe somehow, some way in the future, I can facilitate it. Uh, we I can make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Frank has connections. That would be amazing. <laughs> I want ringside seats for that. <laughs> Charity. Yeah. Raise for the orphans. Money. Yeah, we are orphans. Raise some money for end abortion now. And, uh, there you go. So you can you can find both our podcasts in the Christian Podcast Community dot org. I think it's dot org, right? It's dot org. Christian Podcast Community dot org. I know it's Striving for Eternity dot org. It's I... also on there too. The link takes you to Striving for Eternity. Also on iTunes, you can find both our podcasts on iTunes. Where else are you? Are you is the Five Solos? We're all over. We're on. Of course, you can go to strivingforeternity.org, and we're on there. We're on Apple. We're on Android. I don't think we've made it on Spotify yet. I think Andrew's still working on that. But all of the major podcasting apps, we should be on there. Um, so that's where you can find us. And we link it every single week on our ministry page as well as the podcast page. Awesome. you have anything else to, to add, subtract, no division? You know, other other than the gospel is... You know, I make I make it a point. Uh, I make it a point every week. I try to, anyways. That I I hope unbelievers listen. I I hope that there are goats that are posing as sheep that listen because they're going to hear it every single week. And I hope that it just steams at their heart. Amen. God's word does not come out void, and the word of God does the work of God. Amen. We've uh, we've enjoyed talking to you all, and. Uh, Hope you have a yes, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you all. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, we hope that you will seek the kingdom of God and continue to learn what we are even doing here. Grace and peace.